Welcome back to another episode of HR Tech Chat, the podcast where we explore the latest trends, innovations, and strategies in the ever-evolving world of HR technology. I'm your host, Jennifer Dole, and on today's show, we have a very special guest joining us again, someone who has made a significant impact in the HR tech landscape with her expertise and thought leadership. She's a trailblazer, she's an innovator, and she's a true advocate for leveraging technology to drive positive change in the workplace. Welcome back, Pamela. Thanks so much. I I, uh, loved our last uh, webcast and uh, so did a lot of people that that had downloaded it and sent us comments and I'm thrilled to be here again and to to talk about culture and uh, what the role of HR is in curating culture. Yes. And it's our pleasure to have you here again. We can't, I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Um, so let's do that. Let's get into the challenges that HR leaders face in this current talent marketplace. And could you elaborate on some of the things they're grappling with? Oh, absolutely. First of all, you can't watch the news on any given day, morning news, evening news, without them talking about some element of the job market, some element of talent shortage, some element of are we going to have what kind of economic um, impact is uh, what's going on in the market going to have on your company? Are we going to have a recession? Mm -hmm. And what I can say is, and and we've talked about this before, that uh, whether or not we're going to have a recession seems to be pushing farther and farther and farther into the future. And you have big banks saying that now there's less than a 25% chance that we would have a recession this year. And so people are trying to read the tea leaves every day on um, what are the economics going to be? How is that going to impact my company? What about talent? How am I going to find talent? And then how do they deal with all the changes in that landscape. So let's let's talk about one element of that landscape because there are technology implications for this. So we started talking about skill building a few years back. Yep. We talked about skilling and upskilling and reskilling, and we're still talking about those things. And there were some solutions out there that offered a view of skills and how to codify skills and how to do skill building. Well, what's happening in the market is that's now part of how you look for talent in the market. That's now part of what the market views as a way to go after talent. So you've got things like you've got the governors of many, many states that have come out and said, we took away the um, requirements for a college degree for these jobs. We're going to we're going to do this on skills. So you've got organizations out there. Um, like STAR that talk about um, how you have upskilled yourself through alternative routes. You've got Business Roundtable where companies have committed to hiring people based on skills. Um, You have organizations. uh, There's one that um, Cleveland Clinic did um, where they worked, um, they looked at life experience Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, we're going to hire on life experience and we're going to look at the skills that were built through that life experience and um, that their program was called Grads of Life, which I I really like that. I I like that too. And it helped them a lot. It helped them 
um, fill jobs that they couldn't have filled otherwise. So one of the things you have to do is when you look at all the external things is you have to be, I think, um, context and environmentally savvy if you're in HR. Um, and that environmentally savvy is um, what is the economic situation? How might that impact my company? And by that, I'm saying, you know, you you saw all of these articles and, and heard all of these interviews where um, we're going to downsize because a recession is coming and we're going to cut and we're going to rationalize our workforce. Well, yeah. you're probably doing that for other reasons in most cases, because at the time you were saying that there wasn't a recession. Right. They just didn't want to spend money. Money yeah. was expensive. Exactly. So, you know, it's, you have reasons like we spent too much money. We overhired. We wanted to hire talent before our competitors could. So we hired people and sometimes they went on the beach until we found things for them to do. And um, so you have to be contact savvy. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? And um Hiring for the sake of hiring obviously wasn't helpful for those organizations, but hiring for the sake of, you know, driving an agenda, uh, delivering growth in the market, um, growing your company, getting into new businesses, obviously are the right ways to do it. And um, the other thing in terms of being environmentally savvy is I think you always have to know what's going on. So if you're talking about, we're going to hire on skills or we're going to offer people the opportunity to take jobs based on skill matching, look at where that's working in the marketplace. Look at what other companies are doing because all of us in the marketplace are now going and looking at skills as opposed to, do you have a degree? I mean, one of my favorites is, I love this name, tear the paper ceiling. <laughs> and what tear the paper ceiling says is there are a lot of jobs out there that um, you don't need a degree for. And so let's look at people that have the skills and make the skill matching and maybe even do some upskilling in a pre-hire situation um, to get people, the right people into those jobs. But I love the fact that um, we're now opening the marketplace up to looking at skills. And the one thing it does do, well, it does many things, but the one thing I'd like about it is it opens up opportunities to underserved populations and diverse populations that wouldn't have been considered for those jobs. Absolutely. And, and one thing, I, I read this this morning and you know how I read some things and it gets me going. Um, <laughs> this I appreciate going. that about you. <laughs> yes. Even with AI, and this was very distressing, even with AI and all the things we can learn about a candidate, that minority candidates are seriously um, under, um, under tapped uh, in this market. That even with all the ways that we can do skill matching and all the ways we can look at what people bring to a role that they are under tapped, under serviced, under accessed in this market. And you wanna solve a talent problem, think about that. Um, yeah. and and I'm very hopeful that technology can bring more visibility yes. to underrepresented groups yeah. and um, give them that nudge that they need to apply for jobs. Mm -hmm. They may not, you know, feel 100% of a match to. Yeah. And, you know, here's the other thing, and I'm glad you mentioned 100% match. 
we all can look at a list on paper and we can say, these are the skills that are needed to do this work. Oftentimes it's not just about filling a job anymore. It's like, here's the work we have to get done. So what's going to deliver that work? And you're, you're kind of applying to a body of work. Um, and we can look at that list and we can look at somebody else's uh, or someone's um, match of here are the capabilities I bring to this, here are the experiences I bring to this, here are the things I learned from that. And we all know a list is a list until you take all of that off the screen and off paper and have a real conversation and talk about how people learn those things yes. and how they can apply those things. Um, you really haven't. Um, you haven't really maximized your ability to look at skills because you still have to have the conversation. You still have to look at how would somebody think through this? How would somebody apply this? And that's where I, th I think as, as technology evolves, we're going to get more information that will be helpful to us in the hiring process. I hope so. And, you know, to kind of loop back into the theme of today's podcast is that HR leader as a curator of the culture, there's so much for them to be aware of, right? Mm -hmm. Externally, internally. Um, but let's dive into a little bit of that internal view now and how do they curate the culture? What do you mean by that? Well, let me tell you why I selected the word curate because that was a very careful selection. So I actually looked it up in the dictionary to make sure that that what I thought about was really matching what was out there. And it was, you know, yay. <laughs> um, and curate means selected, organized, and presented using professional or expert knowledge, carefully chosen. Mm. To me, that's that could be the job description for every HR leader in the country, in the world right now, that your job is to select and organize um, what's happening using professional and expert knowledge and to carefully choose the right things. And the reason I say carefully is because you can't do everything all at once. And maybe there are people out there mm -hmm. that can. I've, I've never met one. You can't do everything. So you have to select, what are we going to focus on? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we have talent gaps, let's take a look and let's focus on candidate experience. Let's focus on talent acquisition. Let's look at, um, let's look at skills. Let's look at how we move people in the organization. Let's look at internal talent marketplace. Each one of those things is a very big thing to do Great. and very big thing to implement and has to be um, and it has to be uh, connected to the right technology solution to have them work well. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's one thing. And then you look at, well, another thing people have to curate is um, leadership and leadership experiences. And what happens when people join our company and what kind of experience do we want them to have? And how do leaders um, interact with the people that we hire? And you know, we are still struggling, I think, to develop leaders that can work in flexible ways. Um, people that can lead teams in a hybrid work environment, people that can lead people that have remote working, people that can lead um, remote, hybrid, and in-person, all at the same meeting, all at the same time. 
And make and, everyone feel included. And make everyone feel included and create great career experiences for those people. Because still, even as late as last week, the articles are saying people that work remotely or people that work hybrid still feel they don't have an equal shot at promotion. They don't get noticed as often. They have difficulty with access. So I'm like, okay, let's fix that. Let's, let's, let's develop leaders that can work in, across um, a landscape of ways of working because unless you can do that, you're not going to be able to uh, have an agile organization. And, right. and I think that that'll be challenging. And again, and then, I think that there's the opportunity for technology to play a role there. Oh yeah. Pick up on signals that you don't get face-to-face -face anymore mm -hmm. and surface that data. I think that's true. And, and look, um, so much, you know, so much is going on in the market about, um, where, where people work, how they work, where they live. Are we calling them back? If in the pandemic they move, should we make them move all of that stuff? And it's like, it's not about moving people and creating seats in different places. It's actually saying if that's the reality that we have people in all these different situations, how do we um, take advantage of what technology can do to help us create the best experience possible for every single person. And that should be the question. When you hire someone, the question the, the manager has to ask themselves is, what do I need to do to create the best possible work experience for this person? Mm -hmm. And how do we become more human, more connected, more agile in dealing with each other. I, I think that's that's where this is going, and I and I want to um, I want to comment on one thing too. When you talk about how do you curate something and where do you start with that, I think it all begins with authenticity. I think the first question when you look at all of the things that are out there is, who are we now, and who and what do we want to become. And that's not necessarily for every organization. Oh, this is popular now. Let's do this. No, who are you and what do you need to become? Because we've all seen, um, oh, go on, please. I was just thinking about that. Like so often in the world where we're servicing our customers, we want mm -hmm. to understand what they want. We want their sentiment and we need to, extend that same lens, that same opportunity to share to employees, share your aspirations with us. Yes. Yes. Who you want to become, let us be on that journey with you. Um, and I, we see that starting to happen more so that we do, we do. And by the way, I think that's incredibly customers. exciting. It's incredibly yeah. exciting. You know, years ago, a few years back, um, Al Adamson and I, Al runs uh, People Analytics in the Future of Work, and we used to work together at Gap many, many moons ago, and uh, we did um, a, a paper together, um, and it was all about how do you create a talent magnet organization, mm. and we asked, we interviewed a lot of people, uh, did a lot of research, and we asked people, what is it that you do that makes your place a compelling place to work where people want to join, where people want to stay. And it all filtered through to values. 
Mm -hmm. And we found, and we asked people to tell us what their values were. And then um, we asked for their top five. And so their top five were that trust and character. So think about a value as a filter for everything that you do. So their top five were, we don't do anything that doesn't start with trust and character. Mm -hmm. that we have values that drive engagement, that support engagement, that deliver engagement. Energy is a value. And by the way, a lot of people don't talk about energy, um, but energy is a value. And you like can- human energy. Human energy. You can walk into an organization and trust me, you can see energy. It's palpable. You feel it. You see it. And some organizations are Tigger- and some organizations are Eeyore <laughs> and you can there see it, is. you can see it. And then, the, and then value number four was focus and good priorities. Mm -hmm. Organizations that are really successful at building compelling cultures where people are just passionate about working there have great focus and, and um, priorities. They know what to say no to. Exactly. And that, and that's a big thing. You know, you can't do everything all at once. And then creativity and innovation had rounded out the top five. And so when we talk about how do you curate something, you have to have some filters to say, well, we can do a lot of things, but what's important to us and what is authentically what this organization is trying to become? And how are we going to build that? And so having these values that become these filters, I think are critically important to making choices. If you believe every single person in your organization should have an amazing career, then step back from that and say, well, what do we need to do that? What kind of technology is going to help us do that? What kind of technology is going to help our people go from applying for a job to looking at the skills they need to get the work done. How is that gonna work? And how do we need to support them? And what kind of technology is gonna let them get involved in their own career planning and their own skill building? And so I think these things are so important to make sure that when you start out on this culture journey, that you understand your own authenticity mm. and it never works to become somebody else's, you know, right. even if it's popular. Um, it never works to become somebody else's. And, and the way that you know that I'm right when I say that is, you remember over the years and every year we have a different theme, we've had the year of the manager, the yep. year of the employee, the year of employee experience, the year of data. Now we have the year of AI or the many years of AI, <laughs> AI 1.0. Um, and we had the year of leadership development. We had pandemic in the year of wellness and all this. And, and some organizations actually hop from topic to topic. The way you do this well, or the way you curate well is say, authentically, what are we trying to become and how do we get there? And it doesn't matter what hundred things are out there. How do we get there and pick the strands, pull the strands through that are going to help you win going forward. Yeah. I think that is, that, that is it. And there's no such thing as copy paste. No, right? you, you do need to be. That, that, I'm going to, I'm going to quote you on that. There's no such thing <laughs> as copy paste. So, well, Pamela, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your thoughts on curating culture. Um, there's so much for HR leaders to 
to do right now to help build their strategy ready workforce. Um, you know, we broke it down into just a few things that, you know, know the external, know the internal, be authentic, filter through values. That's a great starting point. And we are not finished with this conversation. Oh, we, we are not. Thank you so it. much. Thank you. And <laughs> the one thing I do want to mention is I, I started, I wrote an article on this is kind of like article number one out of maybe a series of three or four. And so when the article's finished, when we post this, um, uh, we'll post the article as it becomes available. So people can take a look at, you know, some of the recommendations, but I'd love to share that with our audience. Yes, we will do that. Cool. All right. Thank you for your time today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.